Hello, Tome Show listeners. This is Sam Dillon, your Tome Editor, and the DM of the D&D Brief Podcast. D&D Brief is now going to be hosted on the Tome Show Network. To find back episodes, search under the Actual Play tab at thetomeshow.com. As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Don't Split the Podcast Network's newest show, D&D Brief. This is episode number three. I'm Sam Dillon, the DM, and I have with me Matthew. Hello, my name is Matthew Riddell. I'm playing tonight Konos Lendaf, a sea elf warlock. Very excited to be here. Excellent. And David. Yes, uh, Axley playing a a bard uh, who's a halfling. And Nina. Hello, I'm Nina, and I play Emerin Mestier, and <laughs> we're uh, still alive. Human cleric, right? Yes, human cleric. Yes, human clerics. And Hikaru. Hello, uh, my name's Hikaru, uh, or Karu, Karu's works. I'm playing Marcel Petitiabderan, who is a Lutrinian sorcerer. And the Lutrinian, for those who do not know, is an otter folk. So we have an exciting set of PCs here. The other Matt, the other Matthew player who played Asha's white name, the Tabaxi rogue, is not with us this evening. The first thing that we need to do is we need to introduce our new our new PCs. So let's uh, start with Karu, and why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and and what your sort of goals are in terms of your character. Marcel is a bit of a sailor. They um, they just like traveling on the seas. This whole they were born after everything that happened with the um, water levels rising. So it's it's they were basically born into this world of exciting discovery and uh, adventure. They like the sea. They like being on the sea, and. Um, just the freedom it brings and all of that. More recently, the ship that they were on was attacked by pirates and they barely escaped with their life in the process, finding some kind of ruin uh, that was underwater where they basically hid out. And um, when they came out to the surface again, um, they were picked up by another ship and brought back to shore. They're absolutely looking for another ship because they don't really like staying on the shore for very long. <laughs> okay, excellent. And uh, Matthew, do you want to tell us about Konos? Sure. So Konos is about 44 years old, uh, so young by Elven standards. He is, uh, seems like uh, he and uh, Car's character are going to have quite a lot in common. Similar background, uh, kind of a, makes his living as kind of a treasure hunter and explorer and pearl diver deep sea diver likes going down to sunken sunken wrecks and reefs and such uh and you know digging up what he can found kind of got his warlock powers accidentally um i'll save some of it for when we get the game started but basically discovered some kind of mysterious relic uh in the hold of some of some underwater ship uh and in the process made contact with something some kind of intelligence or presence inside of it. And when he kind of came back to his senses, he found he had all sorts of new magics that he had never had access to before. So now he is trying to, in the process of trying to sort all that out, as well as still make a living for himself, trying to find out more about what this 
thing is, what this presence inside of it is, and what it kind of what it might want at this point. That's still kind of unsure uh, presently. So kind of, and as far as recent activities, kind of was on a ship traveling towards Trask Bay that got caught uh, in the process of looking for work. So he's kind of probably washing up on shore, washing up at the docks as we speak at this point. Okay, so you don't know any of the other PCs yet? Is that what you're telling me? Maybe in passing. Yeah, I would say probably not. Maybe in passing might have might have had some acquaintances with him. If any of them are part of the same kind of company that he is part of, he may have sailed with them before. Okay. Um, so if anybody has had you know similar experiences, he might have. They might have served together or sailed together as well. Okay, so he is talking about the company of the Eastern Sun, which is uh, one of the factions in this setting, and it's a faction that is a treasure hunting faction currently, but has a sort of more rich and storied history that. Uh, is not as well known as it used to be, but I don't believe that any of the other PCs are part of that group. So no, I don't think we've had any sailing experience either previously. Right. So here's a question. How does Marcel know the other two PCs, if at all? I'm not sure. We had initially talked about possibly knowing the Tabaxi, who also had some sailing if that's still available, they probably at the very least uh, sailed on the same ship for some time and knew them. They don't really stay very often in in ports, mm-hmm. so more than acquaintances may be seen and passed by. And um, Marcel is a bit of a free spirit, so hasn't had much interest in joining any guilds so far, at least. Okay. So I would probably suspect – so actually, let me step back. Um, yes, it is still possible for you to know Ashaz or Ash mm-hmm. as he went by. So that just for the rest of the group, what, what we had discussed was Marcel's ship was attacked or disbanded or something happened to it. And Marcel was basically left on their own and – when they felt safe enough to try to leave uh, where they were basically hiding, I guess is the best way to say it, the ship that Asaj, uh, uh, that Ashaz was on, the, sh- the ship that Ash worked on previous to knowing Imran and Axley, happened to be in the area, and they fished Marcel out of the water. And that's actually how Marcel got to Trastenfin, because that's where... The that's where that ship was heading to. Uh, that ship, the name of that ship was the Maiden Voyage. That was Ash's old ship. So what we had talked about was that Ash and Marcel had spent probably maybe a week mm-hmm. on on board the ship. Maybe maybe just five days or so. Maybe maybe not even an entire week. And then when they landed at Traston Finn. Ash had already made the decision to leave his former crew and convinced Marcel, hey, let's let's go hang about town and check out this place, and then we'll get a job doing something else at some other point. So they both debarked from the maiden voyage, and now they're both in Trastenfin. Yep, sounds good to me. There is a logistical thing that we need to talk about since, since Matt might not be participating uh, very often because of his change in circumstances. There's a couple of ways to handle that. The first thing that we could do is just say, well, 
his character got some kind of offer and he decided to take that offer and took off to go work at that job and, you know, decided he didn't want the hassle of dealing with the, sh- the ship that you guys have recently salvaged. Or we just say he's still there. He's just going to be the captain of the ship. And that's your sort of interface with the crew uh, when you need something to happen. And so that he would still actually be there. But I'll leave it up to you guys which one of those you would rather have happen. I think that having it be, well, we don't know how prolonged an absence it would be. And having it be a major role on the ship like that, like the job of captain. I think that's something we want to have a PC fill. Otherwise, in many sessions, we may not have a character who's present in that capacity. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe the introduction could be something along, along the lines of Ash knew that we needed to find a crew. And if he took another offer, at least he might have, in parting, introduced us to these two other seafaring individuals he knew that might be looking for work and might work well for the crew we're putting together. Okay. That was kind of my thought. Yeah, having someone, a PC as a captain would probably be a little bit easier. Plus, if he did come back, we could like meet him at like another port and like it would, it would still work out fine that way. And like you said, Ash could probably have introduced us to, um, at least Marcel before departing. And that's how we could meet Marcel. Mm hmm. Okay. I knew it was always destined to be Captain Emerin. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I yeah. I had a little bit of a realization after that session. I thought a lot about it and we'll talk a little bit about it later, but I think <laughs> Emerin would actually be the captain. Okay. Unfortunately. Well we we, <laughs> we could talk about it now because, you know, the Basically, the very next thing you're going to do is is go get your ship ready. So okay, yeah. Well, I was just thinking about it because personally, like me, this is all still really new to me, like the role playing. So like a lot of like me is reflected in my character, mm-hmm. and um, personally, I don't like being in a position of authority. I don't like being the leader, but I know that Emerin would probably decide she's the captain because. Her father's the ship, right? Like, she would want to take charge because of this mission that she has to find her mother. Like, she would be the one to, like, step up and say, okay, let's do this. Like, let's, I'm going to get a team together. We're going to get a crew. We're going to do this. So I still try to separate me from my character a little bit and do the role playing a little better. And I think being the captain would do more justice to Emmerin even though personally I'm not a huge fan of being in a leadership role. Okay. But we're here to support you and the decisions. Mm, Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like you said before, it's all of us making collective decisions, even though there's like one figurehead. So it's not like I'm going to be dictating what all of us do, where it's it's still going to be a collaborative effort. So Mm -hmm. it's not so bad. Yeah, the you know the the real the real thing is that uh, the crew needs to know who is the captain, and right. but when it comes to making decisions, it's probably going to be all of you, you know, making the decisions for where to go. You know, one of you is not going to go out and say, "All right, uh, all right, me hearties, you know, 
set the sails for, you know, westward. And the other one of you comes out onto the other side of the ship and says, all right, me hearties, set the sails for eastward. Um, that's not going to happen, right? Uh, that would be a silly thing to happen, and you wouldn't let that happen, uh, regardless of who's technically the captain or not. I assume you're going to try to present a unified front. Okay, so let's do this. Konos, I feel like it's possible that you met Ash, the tabaxi, because Ash is constantly looking for the next angle, the next job, the next way to get money. And he might have actually been in contact with the agent for the Company of the Eastern Sun before him and, and Imran actually went to the lighthouse keeper and, and ended up with this ship. And so he might actually be off on a trial mission for them, in which case that could be how he knows you, rather than just say, well, you, you, know, you all met in a tavern or whatnot. It's possible that there's that connection. And the other good thing about that connection is if he ever comes back and he wants to use the same character, that's an automatic in or automatic connection that would be there if he ends up in the company of the Eastern Sun. Okay. And it's possible for Marcel to have been told by Ash about the ship because what happened was, remember, Ash was exhausted and went back to the Swimming Sword Tavern. It's possible that he actually met up with Marcel and told Marcel about the ship and the strange eyeball symbol painted on it, maybe. And that would probably actually pique Marcel's interest. And also, Marcel, of course, is looking to get off the island. So that could be a connection for all of you. But before we do that sort of connection, let me ask you this. For Marcel's character, I need to know if you have a rival. A rival? Huh. This could be somebody who would be an enemy, or it could be a friendly rivalry, or it could be something with your clan. I could see, I could see it being related to clan. So another Lutrinian sailor, and basically we have kind of an ongoing friendly war of who finds the most exciting things. Okay, and I'm probably pretty sure I just won it with what I found, but I can't actually. I have to find it again to prove it <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, it might even be someone whose family maybe not sibling but like maybe a cousin or something like that so we're like similar age group and uh we've been um on separate ships and uh every time we meet it's like so how many how many uh artifacts or ruins have you found etc <laughs> okay can you come up with a name uh this is what I do to people. Huh, Nina? I told you the questions were hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> How about uh, Philip? Philip, okay. And that's your cousin? Yep. Okay. Okay. And so you mentioned that you, whatever, what you found when your ship was wrecked and, and you, whatever ruins or whatever you found, you think there's a lot of valuable things in there or you know, or what's, what's the deal there? 
Um, I probably had some time to explore the very, like, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm imagining something like, cause I have the ability to swim and hold my breath for quite a long time. So kind of went into the structure and lucked out that there was a, still a pocket of air somewhere. Um, but I probably didn't really investigate farther either because there was a closed door and I was sensible enough to go, if I start exploring a ruin and there's monsters in there or anything living in there, I'm going to die. So, <laughs> so probably just, um, I'm hoping more than anything, just based on the intricacy of the entrance area that I was like, this looks like a place that might still have treasures inside because it hasn't been touched. Okay. And Konos, you also know about a place that has a treasure of sorts. Is that correct? Uh, sort of. He has his own, well, he's got his own, like we talked about, his own little kind of secret, secret treasure hoard that he's kind of visits now and then more to drop things off at, uh, that he finds from his various dives and stuff. It's very aerial little mermaid ship full of knickknacks and doodads and such. Um, brushing your hair with a fork. Possibly. Yeah. (laughs) Something along those lines. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Do you know where that is? Like, uh, it just not like pinpoint, but just in terms of how far would you have to swim from Traston Finn to get to that secret? Path? How far would I have to swim? Um, it's pro- yeah. it's probably faster to get there by boat. Okay. Um, I told I when I, I mentioned it was like in the kind of the reef. He he comes from originally from the reefs near Reef House, which is an area north of Traston Finn. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how far distance wise that is. But okay. it looked somewhat close, and it looked like a good underwater area, so I figured that's a good place to be from. Yeah. So, for the record, uh, it is... It's a, uh, between... So, the Reef House itself is about 14 miles north. Okay. Um, but that whole, there's a large reef system there that some of it is closer than 14 miles, so um, there's a lot of leeway there for however you want to do that, but just... As a rule of thumb, it's probably about twelve to fifteen miles away. Okay, so swimming maybe maybe half a day. Yeah, <laughs> I don't die of exhaustion. Uh, couple, <laughs> hour, couple, couple hours by boat, maybe. Um, the boat they have right now can uh, go probably two to three miles per day, okay. um, and it's a eighty foot sailing ship. So, gotcha. yeah, on the map, the uh, the islands look relatively close. Each hex is three miles, but that's about a day's travel. So, or no, sorry, an hour, three miles an hour. So (laughs) what am I saying days? So the boat goes three miles an hour. So to get 15 miles, it'd take about five hours. So that's roughly a half day to a day's travel. So if you figure swimming, it's going to be a lot longer than that because you can't swim that fast. Yeah. Um, So, yes. Um, Deep ocean... Swimming is probably going to take you several days to get there. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, probably then three to four days by boat, give or take. Okay. Three miles a day. Boy, that is a slow boat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Get out and walk. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, Okay. Konos, do you have a rival? Uh, Yes, I do. Um, So there is a one of the more 
accomplished and senior member, senior treasure hunters of the Company of the Eastern Sun is a dragon, a silver, or sorry, a sea dragonborn named Gilead Cot that uh, Konos is, sort of aspires to be able to maybe one up someday. They have sort of the same kind of Scrooge McDuck, Glomberg, uh, Glomgold relationship uh, as Marcel has with their rival, it seems. Uh, there's also a he he considers this a rival slash nuisance. There's a juvenile dragon turtle that the last couple dives Konos has been on has made a presence for itself and made a big mess of things and has taken all the treasure for itself. <laughs> uh, so like the big giant crab in Moana is kind of how I picture that. Uh, he calls it Glitter Maw. Don't know. He wouldn't know at this point if it has a name or what it calls itself, but that's what that's what he calls it. And he hopes not to see it again anytime soon. Okay. Marcel, what's your personal ideal? Freedom. Just the freedom to go anywhere and do anything I like. And do you have a bond? Uh, yes. The bond I picked was the ruthless pirates murdered my captain, crewmates plundered our ship and left me to die. Vengeance will be mine. I want to find those bastards. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your flaw? Uh, I can't help but pocket loose coins and other trinkets I come across. We're going to get along so well. I'm so excited. <laughs> I promise we did not collaborate together beforehand. <laughs> All similarities are purely coincidental. <laughs> so, Konos, what's your ideal? Uh, so his ideal is... Uh, basically, he is very interested just to find all the as much wealth and knowledge and lore uh, that has been lost beneath the waves after the sinking, and find it and bring it back to the surface, whether it's treasure or knowledge. Uh, just okay. finding and revealing whatever is lost and hidden as much as we can. Okay. And what's his bond? Bond would be wanting. Basically, his bond would be protecting the gifts uh, that link him to his patron and keep them safe as much as possible. Okay. And uh, his flaw? Uh, flaw would be he is too trusting of others, which has gotten him into some tricky jam with other treasure hunters who maybe gave him what they said was a good tip and then wound up leading him astray or something something along those lines. Okay. Immerin and Axley, give me a very quick, short recap of what happened last session. I think the majority of the session was dealing with the ship and the aftermath of the storm and just getting out to it, finding out what, what and who was on it, and then also discovering that we could claim it as uh, salvage, which we promptly did. So then after that, we started determining what was the next move now that we owned this ship. and It was it fell upon us to figure out how do we hire a crew, how much money do we have, what's the value of the money, and what do we need to do to repair it. Um, the, the interesting points of the ship were that there was, was full of cargo of various items. I remember some of it was spices. I'm trying to think if there's anything else of note. Um, and then there was the painting on the deck of the, the eye, which is a cultish symbol that we didn't want to spread yeah, around so, and have rumors start. Yeah, that's the other important thing is that we, uh, through a very lucky wisdom check, we found out that we should not be speaking of the symbol around town. Um, so yeah, like you said, mostly dealing with the ship, um, 
we were at the lighthouse and we spoke with the lighthouse keeper um, about seeing any survivors or anything like that. And really there was no information there. So we went to Dock Watch, talked to them, and they pretty much said we could have the ship. So we did. We took it or claimed it. Um, so then the next day was figuring out how to get it out. Um, and we went to my father, the shipwright, who was able to arrange that for us. And um, we are still in the midst of paying that back. But we did find a lot of the crates held uh, um, quite a few different things, um, a lot of them worth a lot of money, um, including the ameth- amethyst gems and then the robes. Um, where the other thing, there were the robes on there with the half red and half black with the eye symbol on them. Um, and then we got dimensions of the ship and what things that we have to, or what roles we have to fill with crew, that kind of thing. So lots of logistics to go through. Yes, he actually just sees the spices and then he doesn't see past that. Um, <laughs> money, gems, robes, uh, useless, useless. None of that. <laughs> Um, okay, so let me do a quick rundown of, of what you found in the ship, just to remind you of, of uh, what you have. Um, there were ten crates. One of them were, were the robes with the symbol embroidered on them. Uh, two of them were full of little t- small kegs of spices uh, split between basically equal amounts of sugar, salt, something akin to paprika and then uh, something called desil root which is basically like tobacco um it's dried up and you can use it as a spice but at the same time you can roll it up and smoke it so i guess it's actually closer probably to what we would think of as clove but it's a it's a little bit different there were two crates of salted fish two crates of candied nuts crate with uh, three big old sacks of gunpowder in it a uh, crate of uncured shrimp that was going bad, so it was really stinky, but when uh, dumping it out and, and looking through it, you found a, a pouch with 75 gold pieces in it. And the last thing that you found was a crate that contained a chest with 11 amethyst gems in it. And the gems were relatively imperfect, but you still estimate that they're worth at least 20 to 25 gold pieces each. Which made you happy because then you thought, well, this will pay for uh, raising the ship and and getting it resealed and all that stuff. So that's basically where we stand. It is dawn. It is the day of dawn watch, which is New Year's Day, and so there's all sorts of different celebratory things going around. The storm did break, and so the water's a little bit more calm, and so some of the activities are still occurring, although it's not as festive as other years that you know about, um, where the Dawn Watch celebration has been a really big carnival-like atmosphere. It's a little bit subdued, but that's where we are. So at some point while you're all running around and dealing with the getting the ship going and going in and trying to clean it, because, you know, you didn't want the crews that were going to be working on it to make it seaworthy. You didn't want them to see those giant, the giant symbol that looks like a an eye that has the eyelid halfway down. And the white of the eye is actually silver and the pupil is red. And it has these sort of 
bronze-colored spikes around the eye. You didn't want them to see that symbol, although the painting on the ship was actually blue paint, not silver and red and, and bronze. So that was kind of weird. Also remember in the captain's quarters, or maybe it was the first mate's quarters, you couldn't really tell at that point, uh, there was a lot of writing as if someone uh, dipped a small, a fine bristled paintbrush into the blue paint and wrote sort of gobbledygook all over the walls. I mean, I say gobbledygook. They, they wrote lots of things and you couldn't really understand them because after they wrote them, then they drew the symbol of the eye and kind of smeared all of their writing. Uh, and so you decided you wanted to clean that off. So before we clean it off, though, uh, yes. since I hit level three <laughs> and obtained <laughs> my Comprehend Languages spell, <laughs> okay, could I possibly use that to glean what the writing says? Yes. Possibly. You'll get snippets. You probably won't get the whole thing because in order to comprehend it, I think you have to be able to see and read the actual words. So let me remind myself of the... I also have Arcana. Read, write Arcana. That helps at all. That does not help in this case. Yes, you can actually cast Comprehend Languages. Is that a class ability or is it actually a spell? It's it's a spell. Okay. Yes, you can cast that spell if you would like. Are you going to uh, write it down? Yes, in my book. Okay. You cast Comprehend Languages. The first thing that you understand as you start looking at this language is that half of the language is in primordial, half of it's written in primordial, and half of it is written in what's called deep speech. And the majority of the text is obscured, but you do see a couple of specific passages that seem to be repeated several times. And the passages, they reference a ritual, and the ritual is, you get, you get the name of the ritual. The ritual is called, officially, the Invocation to Reveal the Blue plateau and um the some of the writing some of the words uh describe drawing a certain shapes uh it mentions triangles several times um in a f- in a few uh places it says uh it sa- has this weird phrase that says shamasa Grant us your bounty. And it describes using candles as part of the ritual. It describes um, walking in a certain direction around the drawing. There's There are key parts missing, unfortunately, of course, okay. um, because they it got smeared. But that's, that's the take-home message, is that part of it's in primordial, part of it's in deep speech. You know that it is uh, describing a ritual, and the ritual's name is the Invocation to Reveal the Blue Plateau, and that there is apparently a very specific set of coordinated movements that are accompanied by the sentence, Shamasa, grant us your bounty. Okay. 
does it seem like the the drawing of the eye on the deck of the ship might actually be the the drawing that the ritual is referring to? Um, parts of it make you think that, but it's not really that clear. You can roll me a wisdom check. Uh, wisdom. Let me see. Uh, no, I take that back. Roll me an, an intelligence arcana check. Arcana. Okay. A plus two. So what is that? Uh, 12 plus 2, 14 total. Okay. Um, it's it's really not clear. It's possible that some of it could be referencing that, but you yourself know that uh, this text is so degraded at this point that you would maybe be making a leap if, if you just assumed that. It would really be an assumption and not something that's directly related to the text. On the other hand, there's also not a lot of evidence saying that, no, it's not. Okay mystery as to what they were up to. All right. <laughs> okay, so you guys clean that off as much as possible, and then you you have your hired hands come in and start cleaning the rest of it, trying to seal up the damage that was done. And at some point, you go back to your room at the Swimming Sword, and you find a note to Imran from Ash. And the note is very brief, and it basically says... I have another pressing matter I have to attend to. But I know that you need a good crew. And I know that if you seek out Marcel Duran and the elf Konos, you can have your crew. And perhaps I will see you next time I am in Trast Bay. Also, he left the pouch of gold. <laughs> that's very uncharacteristic. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not going to uh, it's it's an imitation note that cannot be from our ash. <laughs> <laughs> He's been kidnapped. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's the matter of the name of the ship. I, I think at this point we need to name it. If oh my god, I forgot about up. that. Yeah, yes. uh, I have a name to so, propose. Well, wait. Uh, I think we should bring <laughs> in the other two PCs. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, what time is it? What are we talking about? It is. It's probably late in the day at this point because you had a very busy day. First of all, you didn't get up until about ten a.m. because you guys didn't get back to the. To yeah, the we got by at two a.m. Yeah, two or three a.m. <laughs> uh, after having fun with the dock watchman, oh, and yeah. then, um, and then you and then you took a long rest. So. You know, that, that puts you out and about between 9.30 and 10 a.m. You had to go speak to your father. You had to make sure that uh, things were being arranged. You had to deal with Ash and tell him what was going on. So uh, it's basically taken all day because you also were just over there cleaning the ship and making sure it got towed in properly and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's probably 4 or 5 p.m. It's starting to become twilight. Okay. Uh, does the note say where we can find Phonos and Marcel? Nope. Okay. A Ash isn't that. Um... <laughs> well, they're very, they're very specific. <laughs> yeah, they're very specific uh, personalities. I mean, are we familiar with seeing sea elves and the otter folk? Are they common around? Uh, sea elves are not extremely common. They're not rare, but I would call them uncommon. Uh, Lutrinians are. Uh, they're a seafaring race, so they come into port often, but they just as often leave. So there, there usually aren't any hanging around, you know, in the tavern. They tend to stay on their ship, and if they have a party, they have it on their ship amongst themselves, um, unless they're good friends with someone. So probably if you went to um, down to the the 
swimming sword to the open room, the main room of the swimming sword. You probably either ask Taruma or find them there. Okay. I think that's our best bet. Yeah. So at the very least, we can get there. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we'll be lucky and we'll meet them there. Okay. Um, no, yeah, we'll go to the swimming sword tavern. And I'll it shouldn't be hard to spot. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, Marcel, are you in the tavern? Yeah, probably making friends over some ale. <laughs> what about Konos? Are you likely to be in a tavern? Yeah, he'd be he'd be there, um, either drinking, finishing a late breakfast. Um, actually, we'll say he's in the, he's kind of in the main room, maybe off you know off by a side table. Uh, has a bucket uh, on the table that's got a lid that's sort of not not fully sealed over, but partly sealed over. Got like a little flap on it, and he's currently feeding sardines to something inside of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, do Marcel and Konos know each other? Um, uh, I'll I'll leave that up to uh, I'll leave that up to Marcel. Honestly, you probably look like one of the more interesting patrons here, so I probably have already approached with a flag and a veil and been like, "So, what's in there, and what's your story?" <laughs> Oh well, this is just my little. This is just my little pet Otto, and I'll after we, you know, change boundaries, he'll open, open the, open the lid on the bucket, and there's a inside. There's about a grapefruit-sized uh, octopus, it's sort of yellow, yellowish skin, kind of blue rings uh, covering most of its body. Oh ho! Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Konos, does does Otto talk to you? Um. We we communicate from time to time, yes. Okay. Um, occasionally, he lets me know either he's either he's hungry, he wants to kind of get out and explore, and I always tell him, no, no, can't 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 go too far. Remember, you can't breathe out of water. Um, <laughs> so, promise we'll get down by the dock sometime later this evening, and you can swim around all you want. Okay, Imran and Axley, if you go to the great room of the swimming sword, I'm. Absolutely positive that you will see a Lutrinian and a sea elf with slightly blue skin sitting in a corner with a bucket in the middle of the table. I have no question that you'll immediately be able to spot them. Okay. That was easier than I thought. Ahoy, there they are. All right. Well, Captain, let's go get your crew. All right. Um, So, yeah, I guess I'm going to buy everybody around. Um, and approach and push the drinks all disperse them to all four of us and sit down um, and ask uh, are you uh, Konos and Marcel? Yes, I'm Konos. Yes. How'd you know? Who told you? Uh, We are friends with a tabaxi named Ash. Um, unfortunately, he's not here right now, but he told us about the two of you. Um, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. So you're the ones that have the ship and are looking for a crew? We are, actually. Perfect. That word gets out. Ship, you say? Well, Ash did mention that before he left. Oh, all right. Well, I'm certainly, I'm certainly would, would be, would be happy to find a new ship to join. I've been wandering around a little bit of my own looking for a new berth. So if you've got a ship and a comfortable bunk and pay well, I'm certainly available to you. Absolutely. 
Well, that's two out of 12, 15. <laughs> so would you guys happen to know anybody else that would be willing to uh, help us out on our journeys? Um, and also, is there anywhere you guys would want to go? I have a personal um, duty to attend to, so I have my own idea of where I would like to go, but I would definitely take into consideration um, anywhere you guys would like to go. As long as it's out exploring, I don't mind too much, though I have certain things I want to have dealt with eventually. Any place that's new or exciting or interesting? Certainly, I'd be um, eager to Sure, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Probably sooner rather than later, huh? Perfect. It sounds like we all have the same goal of uh, discovering the unknown and hopefully any fortune that accompanies it. What would you like to be paid? Well, uh, what are you... Question for the DM. What I, what I, what we know what the going rate is for, you know, for, for, for sailors of these parts? Um, so you would, um, but most likely if you're going to be an actual, if you're just going to be a generic crew member, then you would probably just ask for the going rate, which is basically about a silver piece per day. Um, but as an officer on board the ship with more responsibilities, you would probably want to negotiate something quite a bit more than that, like a portion of the whatever treasure is found or, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, 10 gold a week plus a portion of whatever, you know, what, whatever, you know, yeah, it's, it's highly negotiable. There is a, a wide range of ways to pay a crew at this point. Um, the sort of uh, generic, poor generic crewman's wage is about a gold, uh, a silver per day. Okay, so two silver per day uh, is a good rate. Um, if you plan on doing any kind of treasure diving or anything like that, I would uh, want to claim some some fair portion of that uh, for myself. Well, two key portions we are positions in the ship we are looking to fill is that of a navigator. And another is a first mate, which are obviously very important positions, probably uh, commensurate pay above just the average is in, in store for those positions. And the captain that I even talked about, we want to generate loyalty on the crew. That's very important. And so giving them a very good wage is, is a key to instilling uh, a sense of duty and loyalty amongst the crew. So we were thinking about something along the lines of, and your feedback is welcome. Um, the, the key positions on the ship, I'll split 50% of everything found through fortune. And then the other 50% would go to the, the rest of the crew to split amongst themselves. Well, that sounds fair. Uh, you mentioned needing a navigator. I do have a bit of, ex a bit of, uh, expertise with that. I've been on some other ships before and certainly know my, know my way around star charts and such, or sea, sea charts and such. Oh, excellent. Yep, that sounds uh, interesting. How how exactly are you guys planning to make that uh, money? Is it exploring? Is it uh, diving for treasure? Or is it uh, merchant's work? Mostly through explore exploration and discovery of treasure. Um, 
for the most part, but uh, our ship is actually able to hold passengers as well, so we can act as a um, travel ship as well. Um, so there's different ways to make money. Uh, we're obviously uh, relatively new to the wholesaling thing, so we can experiment as we go, and it would be uh, very nice to have someone with a little bit of experience. And we're open to any opportunity that may prevent, present themselves that allow us to, uh, to come upon fortune. And however, we're, we're definitely not ones who are wanting to go the route of piracy or unsavory conduct. Oh, good. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try to keep care of those. <laughs> so what about you, Marcel? Would you want a higher up position? As Axley said already, we have several positions open. Um, the first mate is the one that does the navigation, uh, the scheduling and the direction of the crew, that kind of thing. Um, but you can talk amongst yourselves and discuss what you would like to do. Uh, I don't think ordering the crew around is exactly my type of thing, but I do know a bit of uh, navigation myself, and um, uh, so I can help sail the ship. I am also quite proficient with carpenter's tools, so keeping the ship in good shape is probably something that will uh, be of use to you. I'm also not... Um, I also have some abilities with some magic that might help us go faster. That seems really helpful, actually. Excellent. And having two navigators is never a bad thing. Measure twice, cut once, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to get lost out there. There's a lot of ocean. There is a lot of ocean to explore. Okay. That sounds great to me. Marcel, you have experience with carpenter's tools? I do. Are you familiar with the Shipwright Guild in this area? I've heard of them. Probably worked alongside some of them when we're in port here and there. Hmm. I might have seen you in passing at that point, then. It's possible. My father works for the Shipwright Guild. I've apprenticed under him for quite a while at this point, but maybe we've seen each other. It's very possible, though when I start to work, I get very into my work and don't see anything until it's done. <laughs> that way I can just go afterwards and party all I like once it's done. But when I'm working, I'm working. Fair enough. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so uh, what shipboard roles is everyone taking then? What were the it's... main jobs we hadn't filled yet? I, I remember first mate. Um, and so it there... sounds... To me, like, um, Konos is the first mate, and Marcel is the repair and maintenance person. Oh, I wrote the word down, but I definitely don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Boatswain. Unless that's yeah, not how you pronounce it. Yeah, we can call them a bosun. Bosun. Bosun, okay. Boatswain, same thing. Um, so that's Marcel is going to be the bosun. Yeah. Uh, Konos is the first mate, also called the quartermaster. Um, and Imran is going to be the captain. Is that what I'm hearing? That sounds about right to me. And Axley is... Cook. Extraordinary. <laughs> Still keeping that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, with those 
four positions, you can you can get by in terms of running the ship and making sure that everyone is doing the things that they need to do. This particular ship has a crew complement of, what did I write, 20 people. And so if you include the four of you, that means you need 16 more people. That would be the minimum that you want to have work on the ship. Uh, because, you know, if you're going to do some overseas travel, uh, one of them gets sick, now you're down one person, another person gets sick, now you're down two, suddenly you're uh, going to have trouble making sure that the rigging is all set and that the uh, the ship can actually accomplish the things it needs to accomplish. So you can uh, house up to, let me give you the stats on your ship again. So your ship is a 80 foot by 20 foot small sailing ship. It has two masts that are 80 feet tall. The minimum crew that you need is 20, but that includes the four of you, so you would need 16 minimum. Um, it can hold uh, 80 tons of cargo and 15 other passengers other than the 20 crew. So now here's the question. Uh, did you guys just negotiate pay, or did you negotiate a portion of the findings? I think we're going to portion... Yeah, portion, personality as the actual pay, which is the incentive, you know, to find something. <laughs> okay. And so, what? How? How? What kind of a contract did you just create? So, amongst amongst uh, the four of us, then it would be a fifty percent split of what we find, or a split of equal split of fifty percent, and then the other fifty percent gets shared amongst the crew, the remainder of the crew. Okay. I would be okay with the extra two silver pieces per day. Oh, okay. If everybody's okay with that. So if, yeah. we're, if we're not finding anything, there's still daily pay? Correct. Okay. Okay, so you want to hire... Are you going to hire the minimum 16 people, or are you going to try to hire more than that? <laughs> I mean, how long will our money last that we currently have if we're paying two silver a day? When will we run out? <laughs> I don't know how much money you have. <laughs> I mean, um, you still have to you have to pay back Emmerin's dad, Xavier. Correct. And what was that bill? How much was that? You don't know uh, how much. About a hundred is what we were estimating. A hundred gold pieces. Okay. According to my notes, um, but the eleven amethyst gems are going to be rather helpful, um, because even if we use Let's say we use the 75 gold minus two of the amethyst to pay back my father. Mm -hmm. That leaves us nine amethyst gems, minimum 180 gold pieces, which translates to quite a bit of silver. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. How much silver per gold? <laughs> okay, so yeah, so the, the way that it works, remember, if you think of a gold piece like a dollar, then a silver piece is a is a dime, and a copper piece is a penny. An electrum piece is a fifty cent piece, and a platinum piece is a ten dollar bill. Okay. So if you have one gold, you've got ten silver. So two silver is not much, right? I mean, it, right. it is a lot for the for the. Which is why I feel like it's fair to say two silver, 
because mm-hmm. we again we are trying to foster like loyalty and have like just a relatively content crew we don't want any kind of uprisings so i feel like two silver is fair okay so how many crew do you want to hire at two silver per day i say we go for just the 16 at this point and then if we're struggling we can probably find more willing people along the way okay uh the one thing about finding more people is uh if we hire 16 now and you're paying two silver plus the percentage of whatever fines uh, that percentage is going to go down, down if you hire more. True. Yes. So, so what I'd initially suggest is uh, doing a 50 split for us and a 40 split for them and leaving 10% for the funds of the ship because you're going to have to, you're going to have to have gold to pay additional help and so on and so forth. And that's why Marcel is the bosun. Uh, I do repairs and stuff too. And yeah, <laughs> buy su- supplies when we're in port. Yeah, you're gonna need you're gonna need ship money because yeah. you don't want everything going to like you could always just not even just do it forty percent, but like sure, still give them a, a share, but you're already paying them double the normal fare. Yeah, because the normal fare is one right. silver. They'd be happy with two silver and no share. Yeah. Okay, so you think maybe even like a 25% share on top of the pay would still sound really good? Would still get us pretty good people mm-hmm. because like you're paying double the normal rate and above that you're giving them incentives to uh, find stuff. And then the rest we can split and keep some for repairs for the ship and, and whatever else we need for the ship. Okay. I mean, you can also, you don't have to tell them... But you could probably negotiate, you know, you don't have you don't have to tell them an exact percentage. You can say say. two silver per day and then at the end of each month we'll give you a bonus if you stay on. Okay. Yeah, bonus depending on how much how well we've done in in the month. So then they have they still have that incentive, but they don't know exactly how much the bonus is gonna be. Okay. And then that way if 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 fixing (laughs) costs more than what you thought you're not mm-hmm. reneging on a promise, right? Yeah. Okay. And so if my math is right, if we're paying two silver a day for 16 people with the, the gold we have left, I get, we have 56 days of pay before we're out of money. Okay. Um, two months. That's pretty good. Yeah. And as far as, um, you know, finding, finding sailors and such, if there's a company of Eastern sun office in Trouse Bay, I could probably you know, have some contacts there. There is an office in Traston thing. Okay. So I can, Konos can put the word out that uh, there's a new boat looking to, looking, to hire, looking to hire crew members. If anyone's looking for an opportunity. Speaking of new boat, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the name of our fine vessel. <laughs> oh, yes. What's, what's our ship called, Captain? <laughs> well, that's what we need to decide. Uh, I had a few ideas I wanted to float by everyone. I'm not sure they know the provenance of this ship entirely because you don't know what Ash told Marcel, and Konos doesn't know anything about where the ship came from. Hey, where'd you uh, where, where'd you where'd you guys come across this uh, come across this boat here? Well, it's an interesting story delivered by divine providence, which I'm sure that Emerin's deity had a hand in. 
due to the nature of which it was delivered to us. Divine uh, uh, providence, you say? Yes. <laughs> which that was one of the one of the uh, the naming conventions I was actually thinking of, considering how it was it was uh, uh, given unto our, our fine hands. I was thinking. Uh, well, first, the first name that came to me was the Dwarven Windbag, only because I thought how wonderful it would be for the the man, to, the dwarf down at the watch to have to write that into the logbook every time the, the, the boat came and went, but that it wouldn't be an appropriate name. So I thought in uh, in honor of Emeryn's deity and the, the future uh, fortune we should hopefully have while steering this fine vessel, something like uh, the... Uh, Tempest's fortune. I like that a lot, actually. I wouldn't oh. mind that name. Excellent. So that's what you're going to christen the ship? Yeah. Okay. I'm good with that. Excellent. So, last thing you have to do before you go make sure that the ship is ready to go is decide what type of equipment you need to outfit this boat because remember it was basically empty so at at the very least you'll need uh new nets new block and tackle new new rigging rope and extra rope uh extra wood for repairs while you're moving fishing tackle uh hooks of course extra belaying pins, probably a spyglass of some sort, some chains, signal whistles, barrels of fresh water and uh, barrels of food, equipment for the mess hall so that people can actually eat, furniture for the ship itself, because remember, even the, the hammocks that most of the crew will sleep on were completely gone. Are um, the sails gone too, or are those repairable... The sails were ripped up because they had been left unfurled, but in the storm, and the ship was half sinking. So, so they need repairs more than replacing? Yes, yes. But you should also probably have extra extra sails and materials to repair sails, in, just in case. Anyone know mending? <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have, but I... Nope. <laughs> I, I honestly almost took it myself just because no, of this. I thought about it. <laughs> I'm like, mending seems like a, something that a sailor would absolutely love to have. <laughs> <laughs> then you have like thunder wave and guiding bolt. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. So there are, you know, the the general crew is going to have some things that they know how to do. So l let me just talk about what the general crew would, you know, what kinds of tasks they would be assigned. Okay, so just real quick, this is, I'm just going to throw a bunch of information at you, but some of it will stick and you'll kind of have this understanding of what's happening. Not just anybody is going to be standing there drawing a map if you're moving around in an unknown place. So that would be something for the captain, the first mate, the quartermaster, chief navigator, wh whoever, right? The, so those would be officer duties. You're not just going to have any crew member do that. 
verifying your position based on navigation charts in known area, same kind of idea, not just any crew member is going to do that. Raising morale, like giving a, a stump speech and talking about, you know, you know, how we can get through this challenging time. Not just anybody's going to do that. That's going to be the captain, the first mate. And the cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Navigating is once again, th so those are sort of like, those are officers' positions. Steering the ship that is taking the helm, that's officer position. Evaluating the hull for needed repairs, that's going to be the bosun only, not just any general generic crew member. Um, same with evaluating the hull, doing critical repairs on the rudder or the keel. Doing the repairs, the crew can do that. Evaluating those areas, that's going to be a, you know, an officer's job. Cooking a meal, that's, of course, the cook's job. Not just anybody can cook the meal, right? Anybody can put together some slop for 20 people, but not just anybody can cook a meal that's actually going to use the fewest ingredients for the most efficiency, right? Um, making the duty schedule, that's part of what the first mate does. Evaluating inventory, that's the first mate and the bosun together. So uh, recording the weather and the climate, that's going to be, once again, the captain first mate. Anybody who takes the helm is going to be watching that. But then there's this whole other set of duties that the crew has to do basically on a daily basis. And pretty much anybody can do them. And that's the job of the quartermaster is to assign those duties, but pretty much anybody can do the duties. And those duties are foraging. So if you run out of food, you're going to have to go fishing or whaling or something might have to go to an island and go foraging if, if needed. Going up in the crow's nest and being the lookout, there's two or three things you can be looking out for. You can be watching the weather. You can be watching for land. You can be watching for other ships. Uh, same thing about being on the deck and standing watch. You can be repairing sails and rigging, repairing uh, non-critical portions of the ship. You can be making rope. You can be tending to livestock if you choose to bring livestock onto your ship. Lots of ships used to have like a cow so that you would have a constant source of milk or a goat, right? Um, or chickens so that you'd have constant eggs. You can have somebody who can actually craft sails so that you wouldn't have to mend. They would just make new sails or they could repair the sails. You have to have the hold cleared, you know, of make sure there's no rats infesting anything or anything like that. Uh, you have to rebalance stored goods. You have to... If your ship has cannons on it, which yours doesn't, you have to stock ammunition. If it has mangonels or scorpions on it, which are just big giant crossbows, then you have to stock that ammunition. You have to check to make sure nothing is in danger of catching on fire. You have to check the rigging, the ropes, the chains, the tackle, all the you know belaying pins, everything that's there that is used uh, to keep the integrity of the sails and masts working well. You have to do that. You have to clean the ship that is swabbing the deck. You have to paint the ship. You have to repair barrels and crates that are holding the goods that are inside the ship. You have to secure the mast. You have to be able to adjust sails. You have to scrape the keel <laughs> um, when it gets too dirty. You have to tar the hole and repair areas where the pitch has gotten thin or degraded. So there's a lot that gets done, and that's just the work day. Then there's the gambling that goes on at night when somebody's off duty. There's the sparring that people do because they're training to, you know, keep their their brawling skills up. There's journaling about what's going on. There's drinking. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot going on. The, also, crews generally take care of their own clothing and shoes. So there's a lot going on on a ship, and all these things are happening. And and in general, you're going to have a crew that is performing some member of the crew, some members of the crew are performing all of those actions all the time. 
right? And so that's why it takes like 20 people to run this ship, right? Because it's not just, oh, get on a boat and go sailing. It's all of that stuff has to happen. But all of those things, almost all those things, other than the first three or four that I listed, all those things that I listed are performed by regular crew members for two silver a day, right? So when I say something like, um, you know, they're making two silver a day and you don't need a mending spell, the reason you don't need a mending spell is because some of those people, their daily job is to make sure all the sails are perfect. And so as long as you have quality crew members, you're probably going to be fine. That doesn't mean mending spells don't come in handy. <laughs> of course they I mean, do. Yeah, when the sail rips in the middle of a storm, you it's a bit faster to use a mending kent. Sure. But, I mean, most ships do perfectly fine without it. They just fix it after the storm. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, of course, yes. And m most, uh, this is, you know, th this is a, this setting is high magic in terms of there's magic available, but in general, the, the normal common folk in the setting don't necessarily use magic. Magic users, people who can wield magic, people who understand magic, are relatively rare, especially after the sinking, because the sinking killed a large portion of the population. So you're right, mending is, a, is a perfect in the pinch in the middle of the storm, but the majority of ships won't have that available just because they won't have anybody yeah. on board that can cast that spell. So you guys are the special people in the setting, right? Because you have all of these skills, whether innate or learned, you have the ability to do those things that, that aren't necessarily, you know. Uh, there's something Imran mentioned last time uh, when they were discussing the ship's roles, and she said, well, I don't necessarily want to be the ship surgeon and just be responsible for healing everyone. And I, my response was, well, you're not even going to necessarily, you wouldn't be expected to use healing magic on a crew member because they're, <laughs> yeah, they're used to people not, not having magic available. So, yeah. So that's also why, by the way, I don't know if anybody noticed, but anytime Imran mentioned that she was casting spells down on the beach, everybody was like, what? Casting spells? Who does that? You know, that that's not something that is a very common, typical thing in this particular area. So having said that, Let's let's move on. I sort of uh, just vomited a bunch of information at you, so I apologize for that. But just so that you get an idea of your crew's not just sitting around doing nothing all day. They actually all have tasks that they take care of all day long. And in general, what that means is you're all going to be great, and you can go off and search for treasure and do what you need to do as long as nothing's going wrong. Your ship will be able to be taken care of by your crew. As long as we're taking care of the crew, the crew's not going to mutiny while we go exploring. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Especially also, if they're getting a share of whatever we bring back. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, they're they're definitely not going to want to leave if they know they're getting a share, for sure. <laughs> How much uh, was in the pouch that Ash left us? Because we need to add that into our available funds. So I think we need to spend that pretty quick on supplies for the ship. Let me check. I think it was 75 gold. 75 we found gold. the pouch with 75 gold, but the, yep. the pouch that Ash left us? Oh, that was the pouch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Meaning he didn't run off with your 75 gold. Right. Uh, oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was the, that's why he left it. <laughs> He'll probably come back and say, that was my share of the ship. I, I own part of the ship. Incentive <laughs> for him to come back. <laughs> so the last thing that we have to do is you have to go register the ship. 
actually is not coming. (laughs) (laughs) No dwarven windbag. (laughs) Please, no. Uh, I mean, that dwarven windbag gave you the ship, right? So <laughs> he he let you exploit a loophole you you did not know about. He could have just kept his mouth shut. And- hey, it's a complimentary name. What ship with sails would want a dwarven windbag? <laughs> <laughs> Very true, I suppose. Okay, so the question is, who do you who are you going to put on the registration as the owner of the ship? The captain sounds good to me. I was going to say, can I put multiple names? Yes, you can, but you're not required to. All that you're required to do is put a captain and a first mate. If you don't have those, then you put the owner. If you don't put owners, then the ownership reverts to captain and first mate. I say we put owners as me, Axley, and Ash. Okay. But do we put Ash? No, My I mean, question was more: Do you put Marcel and Konos? Oh. As well? I was I was also thinking about that, but we kind of just met them. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I think that makes the most sense to put either you two or you two and Ash. Um, you can always put. Um, Konos and myself as just officers. So in basically descending order of who gets the ship if something happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we could, we, yeah, we could put all three of us. That's, that's fine. That shouldn't be a reason to, to admit Ash. Yeah. He did leave you the pouch that he could have taken with him. Yeah. <laughs> How kind of him. Okay, so Emerin, Axley, Ash as owners, Emerin and Konos, Emerin's captain, Konos first mate. That sound good? That sounds fine to me, if that's how you want to register it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Now, let's let's get down to some activity here. So you need to go register that ship. Who's going to go to the dock watch office to register the ship? I'm assuming the captain, at the very least. <laughs> at the very least. I'll go as well. Okay. Okay. Axley's not going to go, huh? So I'll just go stand outside. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Marcel does not want to uh, to go down there? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll go. Okay. All right. So you go down there, and uh, you open the door to the dock watch office, and that same dwarf with the very intricately the very intricately braided beard and the seaweed and pipe parts are in that are you know braided in with the beard he's down there he's very very short he's about 3 feet tall he's actually standing near the door shuffling through some papers on on a shelf there by the door when you walk in and he turns around and he says, Oh, welcome to... Oh, it's you. Uh, good evening, sir. Um, we're here to register our ship. And I take out the paperwork and hand it to him. 
All right, all right, come over here. Who are these? These are new. Who's this? Um, this is my new first mate, uh, Konos, and our bosun, uh, Marcel. Uh, pleased to make your acquaintance. Same here. Are you always this grumpy? Are you always this happy? Yes. Oh, well, I guess I'm always this grumpy then. Oh, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry for you. He he kind of chuckles under his breath and says, well, it doesn't matter. Come over here. Bring your paperwork over here. And he sort of waves you over to the big counter. He unrolls it. He says, okay, okay, okay. Takes out his quill and dips it in some ink, and he writes a couple of things on it. Okay, okay. Uh, have you paid the shipwrights yet for bringing it over? Uh, not quite, but that is our next stop. All right, well, I have the bill here. He reaches under and he starts looking for a bunch of, you know, looking through a bunch of little pieces of parchment. Ah, here it is, here it is. Brings it out lays it down. It looks like they had to do a lot of work and it's gonna be sort of taps his forehead. Uh, looks like it's gonna be 220 gold pieces total. That's the shipwright fee and the registration fee, the dock fee. Um, I'm very wide-eyed at this point. Um, <laughs> kind of take a step back. Um, are you, are you sure that the numbers are correct? Uh, my father is a part of the Shipwright Guild, and he was telling us it would be around 100 gold pieces, not 220. 105 for the Shipwrights. That's their fee. He sort of point, points his finger down at the Shipwrights bill. 50 gold for the dock fee. 50 gold for the registration. And 15 gold. He's making notes to himself. That's 220. Do I get the sense that he's trying to rip us off here? Or pull the wool over our eyes somehow? You can roll a uh, wisdom insight check. Okay. Uh, that is a 9. You get the sense that he is gruff, but not unfair. Considering all the sailing we've done is 50 gold, the like typical docking fee, like that's just the normal fee for docking. It actually sounds a little bit cheap to you since, uh, since it was actually dry dock so they could evaluate the okay. entire ship. Um, but you yourself have never actually been in Trast Bay or at this port. So, you know, it's possible they have, they're a little wonky. But it feels a little cheap, but you know, in these parts they could be it could be a total ripoff. Yeah. You okay. can actually also roll in uh, wisdom inside if you'd like. Uh, uh sixteen. It feels like it's probably on target, but you sense that the dwarf is he is sort of not being altogether forthcoming. Okay. Like there's, you know, maybe there's a hidden fee or there's something he's not telling you or he's 
not. It's the, he's not. It's not really a feeling of deception that you get. It's more of you know omission mm-hmm. rather than lying. Okay. So he's not exactly trying to rip us off on the money part, but he's hiding something. Possibly. Okay. Okay. We said docking, registration, the shipwright guild costs. What was the fourth one? The watch fee. The watch fee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to press him a little further and ask. As you, exactly- open, as you open your mouth to, to ask something, he says, where's your little friend? Oh, he's outside. Would you like me to go get him? Sure. Have him come in. Always like seeing an old friend. All right. So I turn and beckon Axley. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Is there something I can be assistance with? Aha. It, wait, before before I he gets within earshot, I tell him um, that what the cost is and the breakdown of it, so that he's aware of what is happening. Oh, sounds like we have a bit of a misunderstanding here as far as the fees that are being assessed. Can I can I please see the bill and have it explained to me? Sure, come on over. I, I'd be more than happy to see. Please show me. He uh he he comes around the counter and he grabs a short stool and he puts it he pushes it loudly. It screeches across the floor, you know, the wooden floor of the of this watch station. And he pushes it up to where the where the counter is and he points at it as if to say, you know, you can you can stand on there cuz you're short too, right? Cuz he's only about 3 and a half feet. And he then he walks back over and he goes behind the counter and he stands up on his uh, so his while he, while he's walking around the counter, I would like to cast uh, <laughs> uh, what is it here? My illusion spell. <laughs> um, second level phantasmal force. Would that be applicable, or would I need an illusion? I want to change the bill and change the numbers on it. Uh, <laughs> phantasmal force. Uh, yes. Let me see. I think it's like a more of a believable illusion. But I also have minor illusion as a cantrip. <laughs> I think minor illusion would work better than that. Okay. Well, I want to. Ha- I'll have all of the fees aside from the the repair, fee, the ship guild fees. <laughs> you, yeah, it's. I'll I'll leave the choice up to you whether you want to use phantasmal force would work. Mm-hmm. It's you'd basically be making him see an entirely different registration page. Yeah. Right? Um, with the fee, with the bill on there. That he would believe. That he would believe was correct, yes. Yeah, because yeah, I think the point of Phantasmal Force is it actually influences the mind of the individual, too, so they right. actually believe what they're looking at. Yeah. Well, he would be the only one, also, that that sees it. That's fine. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I th- the advantage of minor illusions, everyone sees the same change you made. Mm-hmm. Phantasmal force is just directed, so he would be seeing it differently. Right. Do they both only have spell save DCs? Yeah, they're both just intelligence investigation checks versus the spell save DC. Which, what's your spell save DC? I think it's 14 or 13. 
that's not a spell save DC is 13. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'll, if you guys want to talk about the pros and cons of that and make a decision, I'll let you make the decision which one you do. So he just has to save against a 13. Is that what it is? Yep. Okay. And does the spell say anything about if they, the individual knows if they were the subject of this spell? In general, in in fifth edition, if a spell is cast and a creature had to save against it, they know that something was happening. Gotcha. Um, it depends on basically the DM whether some spells actually say that, like charm person, it actually says once that the spell wears off, they know that they were charmed and they're not exactly happy about it. Some spells don't mention it at all. It's kind of up to the DM how they adjudicate that. Um, I wish I knew my spells better. Because I also have suggestion. I don't know if that comes with a component of if the individual knows what what force is enacting upon them. Uh, Suggestion, I mean, he suggestioned it lasts for eight hours, so it wouldn't, he probably Mm -hmm. might not know until after that time, minor illusion. It says that we have a, if you if you if he goes touch the bell, touch the paper, it might it might break the spell because a physical interaction with the image reveals it to be an illusion. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is phantasmal force does have a verbal component. That means you have to actually v- verbalize the spell to cast it. Uh, minor illusion is only somatic and material, so it's only a wave of your hand. And uh, I don't know if you use components or uh, uh, focus. Um, so there's less chances to get caught up, caught out if you're not, you know, chanting a spell as he goes behind the counter. So, <laughs> so, so what if I, if I do minor illusion on it, but let then I wait to see his reaction to see what he sees when he looks at the paper. Right. So, so here's, here's one, it seems slight, but very specific difference. It actually says under minor illusion, physical interaction with the image reveals it to be an illusion because something can pass through it. So if he tries, because he has to sign it, right? So if he goes to sign it, it's going to break that minor illusion. But Phantasmal Force says, uh, while the target is affected by the spell, they will treat the phantasm as if it were real, and they will rationalize any illogical outcome from interacting with that item. Yeah, so that, okay, that sounds more like it's got the... So if he picks up the paper, minor illusion will break. Right, Phantasmal Force force won't. Right. Either way, if he passes the DC, if he passes the save, it says that if the check succeeds, the target realizes that the phantasm is an illusion and the spell ends. In minor illusion, it says if a creature discerns the illusion for what it is, as it, in other words, if they pass their save, then the illusion becomes faint. They still know what it is. So if he passes his save, he will know that you cast it. Okay, well, it's not a huge amount of money that we're saving, so it's you know, it's not like it's a make it or break situation where it's probably worth risking not not being able to get the boat even registered. So, okay, I'll just I'll just look at the normal paper as he comes around the, the counter. Um, so you're not going to cast anything? No. So yeah, please just explain to me the nature of the bill and where the costs are being incurred. Well, here's the shipwright's bill, and he sort of moves it over puts it in front of your face and it it's actually from the shipwright guild and it has their seal on the top and it lists everything that they did and it portions out the majority of those items and it, it comes to 105 and then he says the dock fee is for the dry dock because we had to hoist your ship up and it stayed out of the dock uh, out of the water for more than 12 hours and then the registration fee is to file the paperwork 
that pays the dock watch salary. And then the watch fee actually covers all month. So anytime you're in the bay all month, your ship's taken care of. Oh, that sounds very bureaucratic, even though we're talking about a very small portion of the month that it's actually occupied any space and that it's been lifted out of the water more than 24 hours, even though it's been just over that. That seems a bit, a bit of a, a, a loophole that is being used to increase costs significantly. Hey, I don't make the rules. I actually think you do. I think that's the nature of your job. I don't set the fees. You have a problem with these fees, you take it up with the mayor. Do you have a regulation that governs your your fees that are charged? Can I please see your schedule of expenses? <sighs> he puts down his quill. <sighs> fine, fine. Have a seat. I'll have to look it up. Sure. I, I have plenty of time. <laughs> he, go, he goes, he moves a curtain over and he goes into a back room and you hear him rustling around, opening drawers and moving things on shelves. While he's behind the curtain looking around for things, is there anything interesting in view on his desk? Any letters or anything like that? Yeah, I'm absolutely wandering around <laughs> just peeking at things. <laughs> um, when he pulled out the, the pile of papers where he pulled the, the shipwrights uh, bill and all that stuff, he, he took out his whole – his whole book is sitting there, so it has all the registrations – of all the ships for the past couple of days. It has a notation of the weather and it has, you know, the, 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 um, what was in the cargo on those ships and a listing of the captains. Any ship names or captains names I might recognize? Not really. You can roll a, let's see what might help you know this. You can actually, probably just a history check might do it. So an intelligence history check. Uh, nope, that's a natural one. <laughs> five total. You recognize nothing. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you sort of, these are names that you you saw, you know, as you were walking around town for the past couple of days. You know, the ships pretty prominently have the names of their of the ship, you know, if, if they're a trading vessel, they pretty prominently have the name of the vessel painted on them, and they have particular mastheads, and they have particular uh, forecastle decorations, and that sort of thing. And you recognize the majority of those. There's nothing really that jumps out to you or jumps out at you as problematic. There is a ship with no listing. It just says its size and that it came in and that it had nothing aboard. But it doesn't. It's not. It's not the same size as your ship. So it wasn't your ship. But that's kind of weird. But it's the last entry, so it's possible he was filling it out or in the middle of filling it out and just hasn't filled in the entry yet. Are there any oh. papers that show other ships being assessed fees that are either like our fees or not like our fees? In the stack that has the sh the shipwrights bill, it has a bunch of bills that are very similar to yours. There are no other registration fee type registration paperwork bills in the stack. Probably not very often that a ship is registered. Yeah, not often. As opposed to just arriving. Or salvaged like the, like ours. Yeah, I, I'm more curious if there's any sign on any of these of a ship that basically came into port or left port 
that matches the description of this ship because all I know about it is the divine supposedly got delivered by divine providence, but um, uh, I'm looking for a more mundane where this ship came from. The ship that you're claiming as yours or the ship? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like if, if, it, if this ship has been, on, like if there's another ship that might have been this one that left or uh, came in, because I'm not sure if, if it had been registered or not. It had not been. As far okay. as they, as far as they were all told, um, and that was actually the loophole that was exploited was since the ship came in to the bay, they didn't go to the dock and register themselves. They didn't register a captain or a name or or any cargo or any duties, right? Because sometimes duties are paid on cargo that are uh, being moved to and from a ship. When Emerin and Axley came in before to tell them, hey, there's a ship half sunk out there, you need to do something about it. And it doesn't appear to have any living, you know, we saw dead sailors on the beach. That's when this dwarven guy here, who, by the way, you still don't know his name. That's when he basically said, oh, wait, it was never registered. It's in, it's in the bay, but not, it never came to port. And you don't, there's no living thing on it, as far as you're saying. So do you want it? Is what, that was the loophole. Mm -hmm. So the loophole is... If something comes in and it's not claimed, anybody pretty much can claim it if they're willing to pay for bringing it in and having it fixed and then dealing with it. So there's no, like, I don't know, orders or, like, report of missing ship or ship found at sea, et cetera, et cetera? Nope. Okay. In fact, not even on he – ha, he still – there is there is no – so one of the interesting things that you – that that actually Konos noticed when he was going down the list of what ships are here. Your ship is not listed there yet, even though it has been in dry dock for a day. So he hasn't even, you know, so because your ship's not registered yet, he has not done that part of the paperwork. Officially added it. Right. Mm -hmm. So technically your, your ship is shroding your ship right now. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. exist, right? Mm -hmm. It's a ghost ship. <laughs> <laughs> And therefore, there are no fees yet associated <laughs> with the time. In the <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, what that means is if you don't pay the fees, the ship doesn't really exist, right? Technically speaking, from the from the legal standpoint, the ship it's, doesn't exist until it's registered. Is it still in dry, in dry dock right now? Or? Dry dock, yeah. They're, they're, you know, preparing to take it down and set it in the water. Sounds like we also don't get it until it's registered either, though. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Technically, that's true. Right. Technically, that's true. Whoever pays the bill gets the ship. <laughs> Pretty much, can, yes. Or we can come back at like three in the morning and steal our own ship, basically, if we want to do it that way. <laughs> and that's never come is. back. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Which is why I keep saying technically. <laughs> technically, there's some technicalities, and you can play it however you want to play it. If the, if the fee is too high, you can uh, find another way to get the ship. Now, you said you had a pouch of 75 gold and 11 amethyst gems worth 20 to 25 gold each. So if we sold those at 25 gold each, you would have enough for the fee and have enough left over for not as much, but still be able to pay the crew. We'd have to find something to get money now as opposed yeah. to <laughs> in a month. But I well, that plus we we also still have to buy all of the equipment and such too. I have yeah. a little bit of money that I can, could go to that if needed. 
maybe we should ask him if he knows anybody who's looking to charter a ship or sponsor sponsor an expedition or something like that. Mm, we could also, I don't really like the idea, but we could also see if um, the Shipwright Guild will let us kind of pay them back in uh, spurts, kind of do uh, an interest type thing where we just so, pay them back as uh, we get stuff. Since my father is part of the Shipwright Guild, we might be able to get by without paying that fee just yet. We might be able to go out and roam around a little bit and come back and pay like every month or so. Pay a pay, do like installment payments and such. Yeah, because most likely the one that we absolutely have to pay is the registration and dock fees. Right. Um, but if we have that, then we can take on some jobs in, to help offset the repair costs. Right. Because we might also be here for a while looking for 16 people. No, not really. I mean, you can put the bird out and you'll have a crew pretty quick. Oh, okay. I was basically going to hand wave that one. Once you've decided what you're going <laughs> to you know, Got it. I would assume you're going to hire the best possible 16 people you can find. Yeah. Once we have a, yeah, once we have like a firm idea of what we're, what we're doing first or where we're going first. Right. Okay. Excuse me, fellows. Everything uh, all right back there? One more second. <laughs> one more second. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, he comes out and he's he's holding on to these tubes of 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 parchment that are rolled up and they're really they're probably uh, about three feet long and they're rolled kind of like a imagine someone holding a bundle of uh, wrapping paper right and like it's it's he's got like one arm around it and the other arm and of course he's only three and a half feet tall so like part of them are like scraping the floor and he's like uh, carrying them in, and um, he sort of sort of flops them over onto the counter, and he says, "Okay, these are all the regulations." And he starts uh, basically yammering on about, "Well, this one was passed this year, and this one was passed last year, and then there was this big protest, and so we did this thing with it, and we moved <laughs> over here, and we, and so he start he's telling you like all of these." different things that were happening on and on and on. And, on. and he, he, he unrolls each one as he says it. And he, and after about 20 minutes of this, he says, he says, all right, all right, all right, all right. He pulls a bottle from under the, <laughs> under the car. Ah, excellent. He My says, good dwarf, you're thinking exactly along the same lines as myself. I've, I have so many questions uh, as a result of your, your meticulous recounting of these, he says, hold on, regulations. hold on. And he, he grabs some glasses and he lays out four <laughs> And he unscrews the, the bottle and he pours. They're like little shot glasses he pours. All right. And then he takes a big swig. I believe we never caught your name. Olgret. My name is Olgret. Look, here's the thing. If the fee's too much for you... I can just sign off on it. You can pay me when you come back. I'm just tired of dealing with you. I mean, for Straben's sake, just take your damn boat and and I'll make sure that everything gets filed and take a drink, take a drink. Uh, 
are you are you sure? That's very kind of you. I mean, I I have so many questions. I really would love to stay Kodos here is all already day, all day, and recount <laughs> all of the the multitudes of these these very detailed fine print. Uh, I, are you sure you don't want to go over these with me? He refills Konos's shot glass. I grab mine and I raise it to him. I'm like, you were the one that asked for him. I take my shot. <laughs> <laughs> Takes one with you. He refills yours out of the same bottle he's drinking out of. Uh, owe me a, <laughs> a persuasion check, a charisma persuasion check. Just, just actually. Roll with advantage because uh, <laughs> because you badgered him plenty. Yeah, badgered him relentlessly. Uh, let's see. I rolled a seven, but I have a well. What's advantage? That means I roll. You roll two d twenty, and you take the higher one. And then take you the higher. Roll. Okay, roll again. Uh, that's a one, so we definitely don't oh. want that. So, so, but I have plus eight with plus seven, so so that's that a fifteen. It. Yeah. 15. Um, okay. He says, all right. He starts, he starts taking the pieces of pipe out of his beard. <laughs> and he puts a pipe together. And he hands it to Axley. Do you take it? He, he went to smoke? He lights it to smoke? He, he didn't light it. He just took the pieces out of his beard and he put it together and he's handing it to you. Okay, I'll take it. What does he want me to do okay. with it? He starts taking more pieces out of his beard. He puts those. <laughs> he hands it to, wonderful. to Imarin. Does Imarin take it? Yeah. Okay, and he take, takes, digs in, takes more pieces out, puts them together, and hands them to Konos. Konos <laughs> will take it. And he takes another out, puts it together, and he hands it. He hands it to uh, to to Marcel. I take it. Okay, and then he finally like I put it in my pocket head and he pulls some pieces out and he screws them together. And then he pulls a little box out from under the table. He opens it up and he pulls out and he uh, he says, um, "Which do you prefer, uh, uh, Trast Bay or uh, Reef House?" We- Reef House for me. All right. All right. He takes a little pinch of it out and he, he fills your pipe with it. What about the rest of you? Past baby. Oh, I don't smoke. He 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 fills up. Every, wait, wait, who who does who doesn't smoke? I don't smoke. Oh, uh, uh, that's unfortunate. That's the fur. Fur and smoking how, generally don't go well together. How does your life have any joy? The sea gives me joy. The water. Swimming in the water. You know, the problem with smoking is that it makes your lungs capacity go down. I like being able to hold my breath underwater. I, I, I just, I just the thing. Hold, hold on, hold on. He, he, he runs, he runs, <laughs> runs back to the back room, and he comes out, and he's got this small case, and it's, it's not made of wood. The other one's made of wood. It's kind of old. This one is is must be ceramic or some kind of pottery or something, and it has a little hinged lid. And he opens it up, and there's this blue powdery stuff in it. <laughs> he takes he takes a little pinch of that, and he puts it in your pipe. He says, "There, there you go, there you go. That one, you'll really like that one. That's it's perfect. It's of the sea, and and that that will not hurt your lungs. It's it's perfect." And he kind of he gently closes the box, and he kind of takes it with both hands, and he puts it under the counter, and then he. 
he takes out and he he has a little flint and steel and he he lights a little 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 baby torch and he proceeds to hold it up and light each of your pipes. So, oh wait, 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 hold on. And he walks over and he puts the bar down on the door so that nobody else will come in. <laughs> and he comes back, takes a long puff of the pipe, blows it out, and he blows about five smoke rings. He says, ah, all right. <sighs> so where are you going with your boat? It's a ship. Yeah, with your ship. Where are you going with your ship? They're all boats to me. <laughs> I'm from the mountains. Exploring, most likely, though I'm more interested in... Uh, you You know something about this ship and where it came from? Who, who had it beforehand? Do I? I didn't even know it was here until they told me it was sinking out in the bay. You seem mighty interested in getting rid of it. Look, if nobody claims a boat out there, I gotta be the one to deal with it. I didn't want that hassle. Hmm. Besides, I knew he was something special, and he turns and he points at Axley. When he tried to do that thing and make me laugh. <laughs> I guess I could have just told you a good joke. Could have saved a lot of hassle. Do halflings know any good jokes? Only if they involve food. <laughs> That's probably true. Well, Ulgret, maybe, maybe you might have heard people, anyone locally, wanting to maybe charter a boat or sponsor an expedition somewhere. Anything you've heard lately? Look, I haven't heard about any charters, but... And you'll you'll appreciate this especially, Emerin. I've been hearing a lot about crabs. They've been there's an apothecary I think that can help with that. <laughs> <laughs> not not that kind of crab. The other kind, you know, the the kind that you got all over yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that doesn't narrow it down. Uh, the kind on the beach. That you had the other day, last night. You know, you, you told me about them last night, remember? Smelly crabs, yes. Yes, yes. So I had not heard about those, but after you came in, I started asking around. And my men, they've said they've seen them now every night. And that's not right. Every night for how long? For a week and a half. Seeing them on the beach or like when they're hauling up their fishing uh, ropes and, and netting? They see them on the beach and then they've been seeing them as the ships have been leaving the bay. They've been seeing them following the ships. Crabs don't do that. Well, I guess these do. They're not supposed to, though. Are they acting with some kind of intelligence more than the regular animal? Well, I don't know, but... I can't see why a group of crabs, what do they call a group of crabs? Is it a pod? No, no, that's dolphins. I can't see crabs following a boat. Why would they follow a boat? We don't know what they do after they follow it. 
Where are your men located? All along the dock. They're loading the boats, unloading the boats, cleaning the boats, moving the boats, cleaning the dock, repairing the dock, all the way around. But they're not attacking the boats. They just seem to be following them. Well, we, we don't know. We don't know if they're attacking later, but... Have any of those ships that have sailed come back? Not yet. Okay. How big are they? The boats? Well, they range no, the from... crabs. Oh. Well, they're... I don't know, Immerin, how, how, how big were the crabs that you, that you squished? They were relatively large, but not larger than normal, I don't think. They were just really squishy. No, they were like Wait. they were like four feet across. They were giant crabs. Are these crabs like well so the boat so you said that these crabs are following boats when they're coming into the harbor. Are there any of these boats coming from a particular location that No no when they're leaving. Like when they're oh, leaving, when they're, leaving, leaving they're following leaving. the boat. So they're from here. Did did you have large crabs? Before this, like regular large crabs as part of your ecosystem here? Well, we had big crabs, but just the kind you eat. So not the kind that looks as big as us. Right. And nobody's ever seen anything. Actually said he could have ridden one of those things. Huh, actually. Yeah, it would have been quite a, uh, a ride for sure. Yeah, really big. And did you say that people have seen anything like this here before? No. No, I'm from here. I haven't seen anything like it. But one of my contacts said that there's an old island about two days travel. About, oh, south, southeast. And that when they came into Trast Bay last time, they saw a big crab on that island. Real, real big. I thought they were kidding. But then when you started talking about it and I started asking around, well, it became a little more real, if you know what I mean. In, in our travels, would would uh, Marcel have encountered large crabs of any sort? Like how common is a of a monster is a large crab? Uh, pretty common, um, but... They sort of, but they're animals, right? So they they don't so hard shells and normal looking, right? Right, no, normal sort of, um, but also regular size and some uh, occasional giant crabs, maybe three or four feet diameter shells, but all just animals, right? They don't mm-hmm. generally go on shore and attack people, follow boats. They they forage for their food, they eat their food, they mind their own business. So in my sense, it would be more. The giant crabs exist, but not giant crabs that do these intelligent-like non-things and also have soft shells and stink. Right. And the ones that Imran saw had, like, the Imran and Axley saw had, like, places where it looked like their shells were degrading and where they almost had, like, holes. So, like... Like, they were rotting, even though they were still alive. So, like, zombie crabs? Kind of, yeah. I'll ask him uh, if is there any if so, if somebody say us was to maybe figure out where these crabs are coming from or maybe get rid of them is there somebody around here who might uh, might pay for that kind of service? 
Well, like some fees that could be waived. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, if you bring me back the king crab, I'll pay your fees myself. How about that? That works. Is that the one that was on that island a couple of days south of here? Well, I'm guessing. They just said it was real, real big. And we can bring it back dead. Is that, is that okay? Well, yeah, sure. I don't want it alive. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I was going to say, what do you guys think? Oh, it sounds like it's a win-win. It helps protect the shipping. Yep. Make sure there's no similar crab problems around here. If we, if that's the source of it, we get rid of that. And either way, lots of soup. <laughs> I wouldn't eat rotten crab if I were you. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not after smelling it on ash for four hours. <laughs> Especially if there's some magic afoot. Then you'll turn into a weird crab person. <laughs> okay. One of us just cocks his head's like, hmm, at... at uh, <laughs> At you when you say and Marcel when when they say that, <laughs> as far as turning into a weird crab person. <laughs> yeah, uh, he sort of uh, Olgret just kind of his eyebrow kind of goes up, but he doesn't say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, okay, he pours another, you know, another round, and he offers to refill your pipe with smoke. Um, and he'll sit. He'll sit and smoke and talk with you for as long as you want. I was gonna say I'm gonna kind of sidle over to Marcel and like look in her in their uh, pipe and see what that actually is. Do I recognize it? Is it something recognizable? You can roll me. You can roll me either a wisdom medicine check or an intelligence nature check to see if you know what it is. I'm going to do... If you want to roll the wisdom animal handling check, you can do that as well. Not 20. Okay. Nice. <laughs> uh, which one did you roll, medicine, nature, or animal handling? Medicine, so plus two, so 22. Uh, <laughs> you think that this is something that they used to give to um, uh, people who weren't used to traveling on the water, almost like a seasickness, almost like a, a Benadryl kind of. <laughs> <laughs> they used to put it in, in, in kids' drinks in, in their water and whatnot to have them drink it to calm them down so that they could go traveling uh, on the ocean. That's what it looks like to you. Um, okay. But, but you've never seen it like burned and smoked, right? You've only smoked, seen it yeah. as a powder uh, to make kind of a Kool Aid kind of drink, right? Like if you think mm -hmm. of like blueberry Kool Aid, that's that's what it would turn into. This is okay. a powder, and when he lit the pipe, whether she's smoking it or not, it's still staying lit, and the flames are blue and green. I'd probably give it a try at least, see what it's like. Okay, um, roll me a Constitution saving throw. <laughs> Okay. God. <laughs> All my dice are currently underneath my sleeping cat. Oh, all right. <laughs> can I, excuse me. Hopefully you can not out of the get way. blood drawn while you retrieve them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was cocked, and that was almost on the 20. 
Okay, hold on. You, you see, this is the problem. I was going to roll my dice where you are, Cat. Hold on. <laughs> okay, 19. Uh, okay. Con save is plus four, so 23. This stuff tastes really, really, really good. When you when you breathe it like if you took you try you know you're like okay well I guess I got to try it now so you like yeah in one puff it's almost like it didn't even go into your lungs like it wasn't a smoky kind of thing that would go into your lungs instead it's almost like you you it went right from your mouth from your oral cavity right into your nose and it and it made you it tasted really really good and and your sense of smell is really acute all of a sudden and it was already good because you're an otterful and it's like you and it tastes really really good but you feel kind of this weird tingly sensation around your ears <laughs> but other than that like you don't feel any different or anything but it tastes really good you don't feel sick okay so who knows what that was some kind of crazy dwarven thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, at some point, you are all going to leave the Doc Watch office, I take it? Yes. Yes. And uh, we can fast forward through hiring a crew, unless you have anything you'd like to add to hiring the crew. Is there any specific thing that you want to make sure you get or don't get or anything like that? I just think we want we need to buy those repair uh, materials, like the extra sales and stuff. Is there like just a flat rate that that will all run to get the, the load of ship repair parts? And tools? Um, a flat rate, no. But um, yeah, I, I honestly, I I have not like I didn't like set up the list and add up everything or anything like that. Um, but you know, the, the shipwright guild is going to make sure that whatever, whatever you get is going to be of highest quality. So, okay. so they'll basically supply us with whatever is needed to outfit the ship. Correct. Correct. And then we'll owe them. Put it on our tab. People <laughs> <laughs> wise, if there's anybody yeah. who's good at maybe like hunting or harpooning, that we might want to call upon to help us take out a really big king crab. Okay, so you want you want to make sure that some of the crew at least uh, can can harpoon and whatnot? That'd be good if that's available. That's It'll help with feeding them, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is no problem to find one of those. Uh, you actually get uh, five people that uh, claim to have skill with so five of your crew can actually handle a harpoon. Now, you're not testing them to, you know, you're not making them do something. You're just, you know, interviewing them. Um, if you want to make them do things, you can. Uh, we don't have to role play that. We'll just, it will just add time before you can leave, you know, before your ship can leave. Konos will take them on trust. If they say they're good with good and skilled, then he'll believe them. Okay. I'm gonna go buy a large sack full of like crab boil spices. Okay. Get some old bay. Yes. <laughs> we still have spices too, right? We do. Yep. Yeah. 
a large cauldron to sit the crab. I still have high hopes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's set sail. Is there anything else that anyone wants to do in town? Nope. Um, I might have to visit the shipwreck guild one more time. Okay. To discuss things with my father. Mostly just because are we not paying anything right now? We're just up and going crab hunting. That is correct. But um, Olgrat basically, you know, it's not as if you're paying nothing because Olgrat is signing your paperwork and letting you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I quickly tell him that we will be back to pay and promise that we won't pull a fast one. (laughs) Okay. He asks you, uh, Emmerin, um, where are you going? Um, there have been these, we have an, an important job and that's where we're going to get the money. We're going to do some, do a favor for someone and save on some fees so that we can pay you back. I told you we'd get the money and we will, I promise. But you won't tell me where you're going. Okay. Fair enough. You remind me more and more of your mother every day. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I promise I'll be back. And then I can tell you all about it. But I don't want you to get mixed up in anything that you shouldn't be mixed up in. Oh, you're mixed up in something? <laughs> it's, oh, God. It's not mixed up in anything, but it's it's not exactly... It's just a weird occurrence, and there's something weird going on, and I just, I don't want anything to come back and bite me. Or bite you. Take this. He pulls a letter. It's it's a piece of parchment that's folded into a letter shape, and it has a seal on it, and the seal has a big tea. And he says, take this with you. You might need it. What is it? It's a letter from the mayor from the Shipwrights Guild. Both giving you permission to be on the open water and to represent the Shipwrights of Trastenfin. If necessary, you might have to use it to wheel and deal. You never know what type of thing you're going to run into out there. I just kind of look at it for a minute and I give him a really big hug and I say, thank you. I promise we'll be back. It'll be a short one and then I'll be back. And I leave with that. (laughs) Cause that's a little too emotional for me. (laughs) You're the one that had to go see him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know, and that's probably a really important thing that I just got, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was a perfect opportunity for the DM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so 
let's fast forward this unless anyone else has has anything to do. There was one thing I wanted to do while they were getting um, supplies and all that. Um, Just asking around if I could find out anything about the crabs that have been attacking. Like if anyone has fought them, if they knew what worked better or how, how hard they were. Just to get an idea of like the enemy we're going to be fighting. Yes, absolutely. Um, go ahead and roll me a. Let's see. Let's make it a. I'll let you choose either a wisdom survival or um charisma persuasion. All right. I'm not sure how much of a difference this is going to make because I rolled a two. Okay. Um, but I'll take persuasion, so that's a seven. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm a very um, persuasive otter. <laughs> um, so not very many people know what you're talking about, and, and mm-hmm. um, they're not really used to Lutrinians. And, you know, unfortunately, Lutrinians also have a reputation for being um, kind of tricksters a little bit. And so yeah. some, of, some of the people who don't know what you're talking about, they it, it's almost like they start looking around like they're on you know, they suspect they're on candid camera, right? Like they're you know, like, I'm pulling their leg. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? What is this? Is somebody waiting to come in? And yeah, like, you, you've seen, you've crab. seen the giant zombie crabs, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, but you actually do run into a couple of fishermen who saw some of the dock watch, um, trying to ward one off and, and sort of push it off the dock. And what they told you was, um, when the thing came out of the water, it smelled horrible. But it also looked like it was rotting in place. And it tried to, uh, like, they, the way they describe it is, it, it grabbed on to one of the dock watchmen and it tried to pull him close like it was trying to hug him. But, of course, you know, the way a crab is, if it pulls something towards itself, it's going right to its mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, 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 the fisherman didn't really, like, express it that way. He just said, oh, it looked like they were trying to just grab onto them and, and hug them. And they had to beat it back. They had to beat the crabs back with, like, pieces of wood and whatnot. And every time they would try to stab it, it just wouldn't really do much, but when they used something that was more like a blunt object, it seemed to have a little more effect on the okay. nastiness. And that's, I have a, that's as much as you get, but yeah, go ahead. I have a weird, I have a weird one now. What if I go ask like the local animals on the beach? Okay. You can do that. Just to get an idea of, I know I can't, I know they, they're, they're animals, so they're not going to be able to give me too much detailed information, but I'm more like, since when did they show up and what has that how has that affected their life like are they doing anything towards like the natural creatures that live here or uh is are they just ignoring the local fauna and going for ships and what's and whatnot okay you going down to the beach by yourself during the day no wait yes if it's during the day yes it's evening then no. I'd probably ask someone to go along with me. <laughs> okay. I'll go along. <laughs> okay. Just Call watch my back while I wa- talk to the animals. Okay. Um, okay. 
Um, Axley and Imarin, roll me a perception check. Fourteen. Okay. Just off a passive wisdom perception. Um, nope. Just roll a roll a perception check. So wisdom perception, not the passive. Oh, oh I've got. Okay, I see. Uh, total of twenty. Okay. Um, both of you at various times you see, um, Konos and Marcel walking down toward the beach area. During the day when you guys are running around trying to get things done and it gets dark and you're still kind of keeping track of everybody. And after you, now you've left the dock watch office, you see them kind of, you're busy making sure that you're getting all of the supplies, but you see them sort of uh, separate off and go down toward the beach. So you know they're down there. Okay. Okay. Um, and what I need from Konos and Marcel is a, let's see, go ahead and either an intelligence investigation or a wisdom perception or even an intelligence nature check for me. Uh, 14 investigation. That was a three perception. <laughs> You're uh, looking at your own hand. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so Konos sees that um, in the places where he would expect normally to see critters, uh, different things in the tide pools, different things coming up and down the beach, different things in the, the sort of um, foliage-filled area just above the beach. There's kind of a there's kind of a five foot um, like bank just above the beach. The beach is about 20 feet wide and it's goes all the way along the entire, um, the entire where the dock area is. It goes beyond that several hundred feet and it's about 20 feet wide. And then there's like a five foot bank. It's just, it's not rock. It's, it's just dirt. Um, and then there's some, there's some trees and bushes and whatnot up there. And, Konos realizes as you guys keep walking out there that only about 1% of the normal wildlife that he would expect to see out there is actually there. Everything else is not there. There's evidence that those things were there during the day, but none of the items that you would expect to find on the beach at night are there. I'll point this out to Marcel. And I'll just say it's it's awfully quiet out here. I don't. I would expect to see more more things out at night. I don't really see. Doesn't seem like there's that much. I stop looking at the sand right in front of my feet and go, um, <laughs> "Hmm, I suppose you're right. If they're not here, that's probably enough. We should." Probably avoid the beach as well. Um, that's probably a good idea. That like a good idea. <laughs> Roll me a wisdom survival check, both of you. Uh, that's a three. Seventeen. Okay. Uh, 
for once the tables are turned. <laughs> um, I was going to say, we're all either rolling super high or really low. Uh, so as you turn, um, Marcel, you see something coming out of the water and crawling up onto the beach. Okay. And it's It looks like um, it has white legs and it has six of them. And it's about probably from where the legs are attached, you gather, it's probably about three feet across and then the legs are attached and the legs come out a couple of feet more and they're bone white. They're, they're that white. And you see the, um, the sort of little palps that an antenna that are around the normal face of a crab. But when you, when you focus in more on this thing, you notice that instead of a shell, a regular shell, it has a really big skull. So like the back of it, instead of being a shell is like shaped like a skull. It's, it's not, it's, it's more like, um, it's more like a hermit crab. Mm-hmm. that lives in a shell made of a really big skull huh. or an amalgamation of bones that are forming the shape of a skull. Does it look like the size in, uh, that the other people had been describing the large crabs or does this look bigger or... It's probably it's probably smaller, but it's smaller. relatively large. I mean, it's not like the, a regular, like you know, six inch crab or something. It's it's really and this does not match the descriptions that we were given of like soft shelled rotting crab. That is correct. Do I see hmm. this? Um, not much. Point, points it out to you. Yeah, I'll point it out. Like I'll also be like dragging you towards the nearest bush so it doesn't <laughs> spot us. Okay. Okay, so you want to give me a stealth check? Yeah. Need new dice. That's another natural one. <laughs> ah, that was a two. Oh boy. Um, is this enough noise for us to hear and like go down? <laughs> so that was part of the reason I wanted you both to roll perception checks because you've been kind of keeping an eye out, like over in the beach area, um, and uh. You know, they're not, they're not really making noise and you're kind of in town, but you keep looking over at the beach and you see them and, um, scrambling for cover. <laughs> you're probably, um, you're probably 200 feet from the beach, from where the beach actually starts from where you are. And then from that point, they are probably another 300 feet. So you're, you're a good five, 600 feet from them. Which doesn't seem like it's very far, but if there's a combat, that's really far. Yeah. Uh, and they're only about 100 feet from the crab. And apparently stepped into a bunch of dry branches or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the crab doesn't sort of do anything different when you when you you know you sort of move away and hide and you you 
normally I would say that a person doesn't know whether they kind of pass their stealth check or not, right? You just always think you're hiding the best. But you guys made so much noise moving over that you know that that thing probably heard you, but it's not paying any attention. And then you see four more of these crabs crawl out. Same white shell? Same white legs, same shell that looks like a skull. I will, I will think to Marcel, not speak, but think to Marcel, is that what you are looking for? And you hear a voice in your head asking you that. Oh, also, sorry, also, don't panic, um, but I can uh, talk to people <laughs> in their heads. Sorry, kind of, sorry, it's, it's, it's a thing. Um, Poor later. Right. Uh, not really, though, fascinating. <laughs> Do we kind of see this going on? Like, do we see the crabs at this point? Can we, like, make our way that way? Once you started paying attention and you, about the time you, the, about the time the second set of crabs comes out, you're you're now watching. I don't, are you moving towards them? I don't know what you're doing. All I know um, is I'm going to start the pretty briskly walking towards them. Okay. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so there's something I want to do, and this is going to be a bad idea, but go for know, it. By all means, do it. <laughs> bad ideas are going to die. It's fine. I'm going to summon dancing lights right above where the crabs are. I want to okay. see their reaction to light, like almost in their face. See if that spooks them or what, and also that'll serve to like. Hey, look at these things that are on the beach because now there's some light. Uh, Dancing lights is only ten foot dim light, um, but I can make four of them, so I can make one like in each of its face, basically. Uh, it has a hundred twenty feet range, so we should be within range for that. Okay, okay. Um, do you have a color that you that you prefer to make the lights? I'm probably just going to make them a, a blue-white. Okay. But but bright. Like, as bright, bright. as can. Yeah, as, well, as bright as the spell can make them. Okay. Alright, here's the fateful roll. <laughs> uh, they immediately, as soon as the lights appear, turn and skitter off the beach as fast as they can. And in fact, so fast that you're a little bit shocked at how quickly they turn. You Back to the water? have moved that fast. Let me just put it that way. Back into the water? Back into the water. Huh. Including okay. the big one who you never saw actually come out of the water was just kind of there walking towards you. It also went and went the other way. Well. Also was... roll a perception check. Yes. Uh, with advantage, actually. Okay. Since there's lights in front of them now. Konos can roll one, too. Sure. With advantage. 19. Okay. This dice seems capable of rolling ones and 17s, and that's it. <laughs> uh, 17. So it's a, his as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you turn, when, when the crabs turn and they run away, you notice that the um there uh the skulls 
it's kind of a weird thing. Um, when they turned around, you would think that they would turn and uh, they would go towards the water and the skull would also turn. And so you would mm-hmm. be in the back of the skull. You're not sure, but it looks like when they turned, the skull actually stayed like facing you. Does it, do they all seem like they're always facing us? Yeah, either that or it has like two faces on the skull. You can't really, like, it's hard to uh-huh. see as they're running away. You're not sure if, if, you're not sure which one of those it was, whether it has like the front of it all was like the face of a skull and the back of it was the face of a skull, or if when it turned, it kind of turned in the skull, but the skull itself didn't turn. And as the crabs were retreating, the skull's face were still facing you. That is very curious. That's a weird trick. Well, at least we know now how to spook them away from... We can tell the dock people to use lights to keep them away instead of sticks. Might work better. Lights, torches, things like that. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, um, maybe we should be heading back if there's going to be more of those things crawling out of the water. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you get back to town. And we have five minutes left. <laughs> uh, and we didn't do, we, we actually didn't do a debrief part of this episode because we got distracted by the actual role playing. Uh, so I want to leave you with a couple of questions that I would like everybody to think about and be able to answer for me during uh, the next session. One of them is, this is a very basic one. Is there anything about the mechanics or the rules of the game or the way I do things that you need to know more about that you need clarity on for the two new people that might not, that question might not be necessary at this point um, the second question is what can I do better to make sure that everybody gets the time they need in the game once again, two new people, that's a, that's a harder question to answer Basically, I'm telling you this because I'm going to ask you these same questions at the end of next week or next the next game. Okay. And then the last question is: Is there anything that your that you want to explore with respect to your character that it doesn't seem like we'll get the opportunity to, and you want to make sure we get the opportunity to do that? So, um, so those are kind of the questions I'm going to hit you with next week, next game, next session at the end of the session. Okay. Um, and we'll be on a ship and going towards the the crab island. Is there anything that anybody needs to bring up or mention tonight? Nope. I'm good. That was a lot of fun. fun. Oh, good. (laughs) A lot of, anytime we bring new people in, I always spend a lot of time doing that, but I hope that it, 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 it makes it for a more cohesive group later on. So, we had, we had a lot of the first part of the episode doing uh, admin work, but uh, I think next session is going to be less of that and more action. <laughs> yeah. well, now we're going to get on the water. Yeah, finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably during the sea voyage, I'm going to be asking you questions about what are you telling each other for this two days that you're traveling, um, things like that. So, um, all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And I'm Sam Dillon. You can find me on Twitter at DM Samuel. And do you all want to give your Twitter names and any kind of link that you want to listed? Matthew? Uh, I am at M. Bridell 
on Twitter. All right, Hikaru. Uh, you can find me at, at my starseed on Twitter and on uh, every Friday and most Wednesdays on Twitch at uh, Midgardia RPG. Awesome, Nina. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, nbase and David. Uh, no, I don't really have an active Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly fine. No pressure. No pressure. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and I hope everybody enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Bye. Great. Bye. Bye.